Tabletop Unknown. Hello and welcome back to Tabletop Unknown, the show where we playtest lesser-known tabletop RPG games. I am Will. And I am Jesse. And on this show, we choose a system, we test it with players, and then we talk about it. And this season, we will be exploring Pokemon Tabletop United. Alright, Jesse, how are you this week? I'm good, I'm good. I am unfortunately not dealing with this Australian heat. (laughs) Um, I feel like this is like a, a, uh, it's going to be like a series long arc for us i think we've spoke about this in the star wars episode yeah. episode one as well oh. um, but we, yeah we both don't deal with the heat all that well not at all uh and this week for you know um public record it's late january in melbourne and it's spiking uh to 42 degrees tomorrow so i'm hating it just as much as you are buddy yeah and and for any international listeners out there um like that's hot for australians like 42 mm. we're like Everyone's like, nah, man, I'm good. Yeah. Whereas, Beaches like, are clear, no one's at the beach, everyone's inside dying. Yeah, like, the thing is, you can't even wear your shoes outside, they'll melt on the pavement, so... <laughs> yeah. Isn't that like, ridiculous? Oh, man, it's rid- some like, of the stuff yeah. about this country. <laughs> oh, boy. I know, I know. Anyway, so, yeah, first of all, not dealing with the heat. Um, so, if I'm a bit snippy uh, at this system, I apologise in advance. <laughs> um but what's been happening with me? Um, just started recording um, for Dungeon Mastery again in the new year. Mitch and I had our year break. Um, yep. We were back to it, which was exciting. It was good to get that done um, and start recording that again. Um, other than that, not much. Um, I Christmas was great. Um, Candle Nights, Kwanzaa, all of that um, was awesome. And now I'm just I'm just ready to get into it. Like I'm so excited for this for this season. Yeah, me too, man. I'm um, I'm keen as a bean, and I think we've got a, a really uh, interesting system to talk about. I think we've got a, a great cast together as we uh, as we tend to to manage to get together some really great people. Um, oh, our, I am I am so happy with our cast to be yeah. honest. Because and the great thing is, is they're all actors as well, and, and there's even a voice actor in there. So like we're gonna like <laughs> so the, humble brag, humble everyone. brag. Um, but it's just. Oh, it's just so exciting because I, I just, I love them all as people as well. So like, and I get to like play with them. Um, and that's the other thing I'm, I'm playing this time. So you are our game master for this season, aren't you? I sure am. And, and I'm going to, sorry. That's all right. And you've never, you've never game mastered before, have you? No, no, I've not. And so I am freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because uh, I've decided that this monster system is the system I'm going to sort of dip my toe into it on. Oh. Um, but look, we'll get into that a bit more. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm equal parts excited and terrified. But um, I, I think I've got something exciting planned for you guys. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how we all go. Excellent. I'm very excited. Um, so the the structure of this season is going to work very similar to last. So this episode, episode one, we are introducing you to the system and the world. I'm just explaining how the game works and how we are planning to use it. Um, episodes two to f- possibly four um, is our real play section where we do a small arc story with actors um, and actually test the system and, and put it through the ropes, as it were, try and get as much of the system as we can included in that um, sort of mini arc. And then our final episode, which is generally episode five or six, um, we debrief with the cast and the game master. We talk about the plot, um, but more importantly, we talk about the system itself and what we think about it. And um, with our actors, we try and get two people that have played the system or are experienced um, players of tabletop RPGs and two people that haven't played the system or aren't experienced with tabletop RPGs. So that way we can get a broad spectrum of opinions about the system overall. So yeah. that's sort of There's the structure some... again we're looking at this year. This Absolutely. year? Yeah, this year. 2021. This year, 2021. Boom. Here we are, baby. Wow. Um, and I think this is actually a really interesting point about this system is that not a lot of people that I know of have actually played it. So finding experienced players with the system was not so easy. So, But we've managed to get some really... Um, some experienced RPG players in general, so they'll be able to give us their thoughts on it um, coming from that viewpoint. Um, but I suppose, look, let's um, let's uh, get into it. Sure. 
Um, yeah, so a quick introduction to the system. Um, so it's called Pokemon Tabletop United. It's currently in its 1.05 version, sorry. Um, yep. And the interesting thing about this system is, is that it's actually fan-made. And it's been done via Reddit, which is very cool, very interesting. Uh, product of the internet, as it was, as it were. Um, and so... Instead of actually having a uh, company to attribute this system to, we actually have just a few credits that we want to talk about quickly. So the leads, the, the system lead um, is a person by Paradox, a.k.a. Doxy. Um, the PTU design team is cast from HP and Zoofman. Um, the information is sourced from Bulbapedia and the Pokemon BD. Um, and then there's a bunch of contributors and consultants as well. Um also, there's like a little thing where Pokemon is a trademark of Nintendo. It does not sponsor, authorize, or endorse Pokemon Tabletop United. Pokemon Tabletop United is a free use fan distribution by fans for both fans of tabletop RPGs and Pokemon. Uh, just want to put that in there so we don't get sued by the ruthless Pokemon people. Because um, they <laughs> are ruthless. notorious. <laughs> oh, they'll come for you. <laughs> just as bad as Disney. Um, so, yeah, that's what I have to say about the system. Um, but there's a little bit extra to talk about, though, isn't there, Will? Yeah, so just for some context, um, I first came across this season. I'm a teacher in my, uh, my real life. And I came across this system when I was teaching at a school uh, and I was sort of just starting to get to know, um, you know, of tabletop RPGs and the different types that are available. Um, and a student of mine actually was building a map um, for uh, a, a prior system to this, what they call it, like they've called it a sister system called Pokemon Tabletop Adventures. Um, and so I was able to sort of get a little bit of knowledge about this existing from that. And then from that and from looking into it for research for this um for this season uh, i came across pokemon tabletop united which yeah again is a sister system to the previous one apparently a lot of the, the um, character creations uh aspects you know skills and attributes and all that sort of stuff is very similar but some of the mechanics differ as well and it's my understanding that they've tried to to refine it a little bit from the previous version to this mm, version okay and they are currently working on, um, it's my understanding that they're currently working on another revised edition, which they've called Pokemon Journeys. Um, but I suppose the good thing about this being a, um, a sort of collaborative effort amongst fans is that it actually means that all the resources are available for free online. Um, so for people who are on a tight budget or people who maybe aren't wanting to yeah um, i suppose expend that capital on buying source books for tabletop role-playing games when maybe they haven't played one before they don't know if they're going to like it maybe something that's free would be good for them but having mm. said that there is some there is some things about this system that make it not very user-friendly and we'll probably get into that a little bit maybe in this episode but definitely in the pizza talk episode i know we, we yeah. both have um thoughts and feelings on some of that so what what I'll do is that in the metadata for this episode, we will put the links to all the source books, all the resources that are available um, in that. So if you want to grab it and have a look at it, you can feel free to do yeah. that. The good thing about this as well is they even already have supplementary texts as well. So already straight away they have the supplementary text, which is sort of required for the game to run. And that's the Pokedex. Some absolutely insane individual must have gone through and started every single Pokemon, uh, yeah. including the newest <laughs> yeah. gen. So that's what, all eight generations of Pokemon, so something like 800-something Pokemon. It, uh, it baffles me that that has been done, but first of all, congratulations to that mammoth task. Um, yeah. Secondly, there's also um, uh, other supplements which can lend you to different types of games. So there's Blessed and the Damned, there is Do Porygon Dream of Mareep, there's Game of Throws, um, and these all lend themselves to different themes. So um, one is about, like, god Pokemon, the other's, like, a sci-fi setting, and the last one's sort of like a Game of Thrones kind of uh, setting for Pokemon um, that you can, like, play with, which is very mm. cool. And they're all, again, free and online and available um, to you as well. Um, but I believe we are just touching on the core rulebook, Will. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Excellent. So this season we are just focusing on the core rulebook, version 1.05, ta uh, Pokemon Tabletop United. Um, right. 
Yeah, but but it is really fascinating to read through all that stuff. So if you do want to grab it and you do want to have a read through it, I think it is it's really interesting seeing some of the thought that these um these uh wonderful designers have put into it. Yeah, I mean, straight up, even though we will we do have some criticisms on this system. First of all, congratulations to those who've made it because it is massive and they have done an exceptional job of trying to get um a working Pokémon tabletop system. Going. Mm, I can't actually. I can't actually fathom the the number sheer number of hours that must have gone into the creation of this system. Yeah, I mean they've been they've been playtesting it. They started playtesting in twenty fifteen, I believe. So, I mean the fact that they got it and done it and stuck with it is a tremendous effort. So congratulations to them first of all. Yeah. Um, however, we will now shit talk them a bit. <laughs> so <good. laughs> uh, no, no. Um, I think all. All that said and done, Will, I think now it's time to get into the system. So, obviously, I think the most important place to start is the character creation. Um, so, how you actually create a character, what is involved in having a character built for this game. Um, yeah. there's, a few, there's a few different things that are different from most tabletop systems. So, why don't you explain the first one to us, please? Yeah, certainly. So, um, like... A lot of your tabletop RPG systems, when you're creating a character, you have um, certain skills that you need to assign values to and, and things like that. And those skills are broken up into sort of three broad categories. You have body skills, which include things like um, acrobatics, combat, stealth skills. Um, you have mind skills, which are all your sort of education um, skills, as well as uh, perception and then you have um, spirit skills, which include things like charm, focus, intuition, uh, and those sorts of things. So, yeah, three really broad categories. Mm. Once you've sort of got these categories, you can assign what are called edges. Um, and these edges are kind of what they sound like. They, they basically give you an edge in a cer- either a certain skill or a certain group of skills. Um, and when you're creating a character, you can choose, I believe, four of them. Four, four edges. Yeah, four edges is my understanding. Four edges. Yeah. And again, they sort of fall into into different character categories. So you have skill edges, which you know boost skills or groups of skills, um, or you know multiple skills. You have crafting edges, which help you uh, make apricorn balls, which help you um, do pokeball repair, things like that. And then you have um, Pokemon training edges, which as it kind of says, helps you with your Pokemon training, um, helps you be a better breeder, a better groomer. Uh, you have combat edges, which um, uh, give you an edge in combat, as it sounds. And then you just have other edges as well, which include things that aren't found in those other categories, like um, you have a stealth edge or a, a scholarly sure. edge and things like that. Okay. No, I think um, it's... So, yeah. Sorry. Oh, you're right. I think it's interesting because immediately the thing I noticed about this system is there is no real classes necessarily. That there there is in the system and yeah. there there is like a class tree you can go down, but that doesn't limit you at all. Like you No My understanding is you can choose multiple classes from the very start. Is that Yeah. Essentially, yeah, and then even when you've chosen a class, you can you can retrain in another class. So that it's it's really quite. Uh, sorry, they're not called classes in this system. They're called features, which we'll get into in a second. Oh, okay. Um, but but even with um, yeah, like I said, once you've chosen a feature or a, a group of features, you can then retrain into other features, and and so there's no real limits. So it's almost system. it's almost like every single character you create is in itself a custom class. You are, you are making this class yourself in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Because even though you might have two, say, you know, ace trainers, which is a, a feature, you might have an ace trainer who has these edges that are um, around being a great crafter or being a great Pokemon trainer, and another one of the the other ace trainer might have things that are focused solely around combat. So. Even though characters might look similar, they are very different, and the way that they operate are going to be very different. Mm, right. And so you mentioned features. Now, I know when you're going through the character creation, it suggests that you swap back and forward between choosing edges and features. And I, yeah, my understanding is that's because some edges and features have prerequisites which require 
um, which you need a certain like level in a skill to be higher to take a feature. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So yeah, as you said, some features um, have that prerequisite. So you might need to be at an adept level in a certain skill to be able to use that feature. So um, flipping back and forth allows you to, I suppose, um, uh, customize it in the best way possible to get the most out of your character. Mm. Another another thing that I've noticed that the system does different is that there's no sort of base attributes for for the system. It is literally all in those skills that you mentioned earlier. So how do you assign what skills are better? How does that work in this system? Yeah, so um, each of the skills has a has six ranks. So you have um, from what they call pathetic to a master in that skill. Um, now, skills as a as a, um, a, a, a default are going to be at untrained, but there are you can choose a number of skills to be novice and a number of skills to be adept when you're creating your character. Right. A- and what this means is it just means the number of d6 dice you're going to roll to try and overcome a skill check or to try and perform an action. Um, so when you're creating your character, you choose one skill from your body, mind, or spirit skills. So those all, those sort of three broad categories with all the sub-skills underneath it. Choose one of those skills to be adept. I believe it's three to be novice, and then the rest are going to be untrained, except for three, which are going to be pathetic. Right. So, so it's like, this is what I'm really good at. This is what I'm pretty good at. This is what I'm bad at. And then everything else, I'm a normal human being. Yeah, basically. Cool. Yeah. Okay. And it's sort of, yeah. And, and it goes goes back to what you were saying before like no two characters are going to be ever be truly the same because again those ace trainers may be choosing different skills to be adept in and different skills to be pathetic in so there is a a huge amount of character customization uh within yeah, the system absolutely like looking at the core rulebook now the character creation from starts at page uh, let's page twelve starts yep. at page twelve, and then when you get down to page uh, two hundred and <laughs> two hundred and nineteen, sorry, that's when it explains how to play the game. Yeah. So yeah. those first two hundred and eighteen pages are essentially all character creation options. Yeah. Um. In in saying that, they do offer. Sorry to interrupt. They do offer no, a lot right. of. Um, examples in that as well it is a lot of pages to read and it can be overwhelming and it's certainly been overwhelming i think for for our cast to sort of try and get um across all of all of these different aspects to it but they do offer like there's from page 24 through to page 32 um which which doesn't sound like a lot but it's a lot of text is just examples of different archetypes and they they go into it and say look do you want to build an ash type character do you want to build a professor oak type character do you want to build a team rocket kind of character this is what sort of skills you're going to want to focus on these are the features and edges you're going to want to think about so there is a lot of of examples in there as well yeah Um, but like you're saying 200 pages to to talk about character creation is a lot yeah, and I guess like like for a lot of people that maybe haven't played any sort of tabletops, that would be quite daunting. When even like I'm pretty sure the five E core rulebook is only like three hundred and something pages from memory, and yeah, that's yeah. considered to be sort of pretty bulky. Yeah. Um, when compared to like if you look at a system like Powered by the Apocalypse, which is about fifty pages long, right, or something yeah. like that. Um, you know, it, it, in terms of accessibility, I think the game doesn't really hold your hand in that it's just like, here is all the information, look at it, look at as much of it you want as you want, and then good luck to you. Hope, hope you have a great time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think it just wants you to have every possible option and it doesn't ever want you to be limited by the system. No. So I, I, I understand that that's where it's come from. So, you know, it is a lot to get through, but it is segmented in such a way that you can go, Oh, okay. I'm not interested in any of these classes. I can skip the next 40 pages. Yeah. So that's a good thing as well. Like it is very clear and every sort of section has an index sort of thing. So you can go, okay, I don't need to look at this. 
you can skip all these pages, that sort of thing. Yeah. You just look through it and look at what you're interested in and then go, oh, yeah, cool. Let's have a look at the rest, maybe. Um, so that's... Is there anything else to creating trainers? So you obviously... Once you've done all your features and edges, you then obviously will go through and you have, I think, like... Is it 5,000... You have 5,000 of the money value to, yeah, 5, to purchase Pokebucks. items. Pokebucks? I, I, I call them Pokebucks. I think they're called Pokemon Dollars, technically, or Poke Dollars. Yeah, but, um, Poke Dollars. Pokebucks, I think, rolls off the tongue a little bit better. Yeah, Just I think so. You know, Nintendo, um, consider yeah. it maybe. Yeah, Come on, guys. Let's make it canon. Um, yeah, so, and from there you can buy, like, weapons for your characters. You can also buy items for your Pokemon, but also you can buy items that traditionally are used in the Pokemon games as well. Yeah. And yeah. they sort of function the same way. Um, which gets me into, like, I, I imagine my next and sort of final question about character creation is the Pokemon. Yeah. So do you want to talk us through the Pokemon role in the character creation yeah, aspect? absolutely. So anyone who's played the game or seen the anime knows that the Pokemon are really what it's all about. Uh, and this um, system doesn't really shy away from that either. Just like we have, you know, 200 pages talking about character creation, we have a bunch of pages talking about Pokemon creation as well. And like um, like Jesse was saying just before, there is that whole supplement Pokedex, which is about 800 pages long. That just has data and, um, you know, stats, uh, characteristics of all yeah. of the different types of Pokemon. So I think, I think like the first 30 pages explain exactly... Well, not maybe not thirty. I think maybe twelve. The first twelve pages explain what you're looking at yeah. and and how to use the information you're given. And then every single A4 page is one Pokemon. Yeah, and they've just compressed all the information you need to one Pokemon, and it has all the moves. And then I think the move list or like what every single move does is in the core rulebook. Yes. So it is. you just have to sort of go back and cross reference a little bit. Which, again, is, is can be quite daunting, I think, for, for yeah. new players. If you've got multiple pages, like, you know, these are PDFs. If you don't have that physical copy in front of you, you've got multiple windows and you're going back and forth. It could be quite confusing, I imagine. So yeah. um, just be aware of that if you are thinking of looking into the system. So, Will, that's basically more or less the entirety of the character creation stuff for your character person, your, your player person. Yeah. But obviously, this is a Pokemon system. Pokemon are a big part of the of this game and of the Pokemon world. It's literally called Pokemon. So how do you go about making a Pokemon? Is it similar to the trainers or is it a bit different? No, no, it is quite similar to the trainers. Um, so, yeah, look, like you said, you know, we're, we're playing a Pokemon RPG. If you're playing a Pokemon RPG, chances are you're into Pokemon and you want to play Pokemon. So they've really um, thought that out and they've really thrown that into it um, with just as much detail and thought as they have for trainer creation as well. Um, so like there's, you know, nearly 200 pages for trainer creation, there is a bunch of pages talking about Pokemon creation as well. And they've put, like I said, they've put a lot of thought into it. Um, again, the, the information can be overwhelming if you're first sort of looking at it. So be prepared for that. There is um, a bunch of pages talking about the creation, but also there's an 800-page Pokedex with all the information for all the Pokemon on yeah, it. Yeah, so, every um, single Pokemon. A thing that the the book does really well is it it will just suggest things to you to make it easier. And one of the suggestions about Pokemon is just just look at the Pokemon that you like or that you're interested in. Don't look at all of them. Just yeah. like if you have a favorite Pokemon, get it, and that's what you should aim for. Done. Essentially, absolutely. And I, and when we're creating our current game, I've given you guys a lot of freedom with what you choose as well. Um, just you know ideally tying it in with what you think your character is so you've created your character and from that um you have uh, chosen some pokemon as well so th there's a lot of freedom there as well and the way it kind of works it like i said it's very similar to character creation you have your pokemon it's going to start at a level it's going to have basic stats basic abilities basic moves and then you can level it up over time and like trainer creation there's also edges that come into it um um as well so like i said a lot of thought being put into it so basically how it starts is you will get a level one pokemon unless your trainer is uh, your gm is is dictating otherwise you'll start with a level one pokemon and a level one pokemon will have um six moves that they can choose 
one of them is going to be from um, a move list, which has different moves um, that are attained at different levels. So you're going to get, in most cases, I think you're going to get one move from that list. Um, and the example they've got here in the core rulebook is Charmander. So Charmander's level one move is Scratch. And that's a no- cool. that's like a normal elemental move. And some of them are fire moves. Some of them are going to be water moves if they're water Pokemon. Um, but Scratch is just a normal move. Um, now, f- outside of that, you can choose five more moves from um, the egg move list, tutor move list, and TM HM move list. There are some um, sort of limits to that, but essentially there is a list of, say, just looking at it now, it looks it looks to be about 40 or so moves that you can choose to sort of supplement those leveled moves um, so that you, for, for what your Pokemon can do. As well as that, you have um, some abilities. And at a level one, you have t- a choice of two basic abilities. You need, to be able, you need to choose one of those. So again, with this Charmander example, they have two basic abilities that you can choose from. You have Flame Body and Rattled. Um, so choosing either one of those. Then at level 20, when your Pokemon reaches level 20, they can choose one more from either... The, in, they can choose either the other basic ability or one of the advanced abilities. And then at level 40, they can choose another ability. And again, we you can choose from um, basic ability, advanced ability, or high ability at that level. Um, so yeah, like I said, the, the, the creation though is very similar. There's skills, there's attributes, and these are all, again, using D6s to begin with, but they can level up to, to D8s and then D10s, depending on the level further down sure. the line. Um, and then... And as well, and I just want to quickly touch on, I don't know if you were going to get to the base stats, but I, I do remember how the base stats go, so I can quickly fill that in there. Yeah, if for you sure. Like. Thank you. So, yeah, the way the base stats work is basically they're all low values to start off with at level one, obviously, but what you do is essentially you get um, 10 plus one or plus your Pokemon's level to distribute into those um base stats. So the base stats are HP, attack, defense, special attack, special defense and speed. Um so attack is anything physical, defense is defending against those physical attacks. Special attack is any any sort of elemental based attack, so like a fire breath for example, special defense is defending against that fire breath and speed is literally how fast the pokemon is. So you get to distribute 10 points into this into these abilities. However, you have to keep within the priority of those abilities and uh, of those stats. And what that means is, for example, if we're using Charmander, in order of highest to lowest, it goes speed at 7, special attack at 6, then you have special defense at 5 and attack at 5, then defense at 4 and then HP at 4. When you're distributing these points, you have to keep that order of of height yeah so, so yeah your speed has to be your highest stat and and then your special attack and then either your attack or defense and then either the defense or hp or sorry attack and attack and special defense and then your attack and hp yeah defense and hp so, so it takes a lot of thought i think um it's going to take a lot of thought to to think out those where to attribute those extra points so that you yeah. don't mess up that order. Yeah, so I think the, my understanding is is that if you if you want a particularly strong Pokemon, but it, it its base stat isn't particularly strong, you need to get all the other, other stats up above it to then have that increase in, in attack. And, and what that does is, because every single Pokemon in the Pokemon universe and in the Pokemon games are quite unique and they have predispositions to certain move types or behaviors. So obviously like Machamp, which is like a punching Pokemon, is going to be quite strong. So its attack value has to be one of its highest. And that is sort of leaning into how a Pokemon is. Um, So like a Pokemon that weighs almost nothing isn't going to be particularly strong. So its attack stat will be low. And you cannot stat it in a way that this tiny little wisp of a Pokemon is incredibly strength-based and, and, and power-based. Yeah. Um, so that that is my understanding of it. Um, and I, I'm, I'm 
pretty certain that that's how it works. And I think you get more points to distribute as you level up as well. Yeah, you, you do. sort of do you have do. to sit in that regular like um, priority sort of thing. No, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's um, that's pretty much. Uh, so that's that's your base stats. So there's a, there's a, um, some other things that can affect um, those as well. Uh, and one of those is called the Pokemon's nature. And the Pokemon's nature just refers to what its personality is, essentially. Um, sure. So, so is it a what they've called brave? Is it bold? Is it uh, calm? Is it timid? Um, and these can be uh, generated randomly. So they, they sort of... Um, the tip is that they you roll two D6s, the first result determines which stat is raised, and the second determines which is lowered. So once each nature has something... It raises one of those stats and lowers another stat. So if a right, Pokemon okay. is, is cuddly, for example, it raises the HP and lowers the attack. Um, if it right, is, I see. If it is timid, it raises the speed but lowers the attack. So each of these nature... All Pokemon have a nature. Each of those natures affect some of those base stats. Um yeah. And I think I think that nature and everything we just spoke about the stats is directly pulling from the video games. It is. Like yeah. they are taking the work that is or the statistical work that is already being done in the video games so they don't have to do it. The good thing about that is any I guess any of your knowledge like if you're like Pokemon is quite competitive the video games. So if you're one of those people that like trains them methodically and knows all their EVs and everything like that, all your knowledge is actually transferable. Uh, your GM will hate you, um, but because <laughs> you'll be you'll have this min maxed machine of a Pokemon, but you, you can all those all that knowledge is absolutely transferable to the game, which is kind of cool as well. Mm. And it's resourceful. The fact that they've taken all these things that already exist, they don't have to do it again. No, absolutely. I, I suppose it is a lot scarier looking at it on paper as it is to just happening on a video game. But um, yeah, no, it is nice that they've been able to sort of encapsulate that so thoroughly um, yeah. for those lovers of the game. And I think that just sort of brings me to an interesting sort of thought point. Um, I think this game has been designed for sort of two main groups of people and this is just sort of i don't know me data to back this up this is just what i'm thinking about um firstly it's either you love the games or secondly it's that you like pokemon but maybe you like the idea of them existing in weird settings which i think we'll get to um maybe not this episode but maybe in pizza talk um sure but yeah those are sort of the two groups of people i think would really love this game yeah, I agree. I think if you love the Pokemon games, you, you can come into this game and, and use all your knowledge, and, but you also get to be, like, you either get to play with those Pokemon or, or, like, put them into interesting scenarios. But then also, if you're a lover of the anime and the broader world of Pokemon, not just the games or in, like, away from the games you love Pokemon... That I think is the tabletop point of it, and and you get to be you get to be your version of a Pokemon trainer. You get to be a Misty equivalent or, or a Brock equivalent from the anime, yeah. And you get to create your own story within the Pokemon world and having Pokemon and being a Pokemon trainer. So, I I, I agree with you one hundred percent. There's definitely these two sort of reasons this game exists, and I think it's to to give the game players. Um, a chance to explore it in a tabletop setting, but also getting an anime fan to explore it in their own way and, and get to play out their own sort of fantasy version of the Pokemon world and themselves in it or, or their version of characters in it. Which is probably, absolutely. Which is probably, I think, the most interesting thing about this this system. And look, we, we won't get into that now because I think we're getting on a bit of a tangent. But sure. we will come back to this because I think it is probably the most interesting thing about the system. But um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, we've talked about Pokemon. We've talked about their, their skills and their moves. Um so I just want to talk a little bit about leveling up those Pokemon. And anyone who's played the game knows that when you finish a battle, you get experience points, the the little bar goes up and you, you level up. So what happens when you level up uh, is sort of three things. Firstly, you gain one stat point for that Pokemon and you can assign those to any of your stats. Again, keeping in mind that you have to adhere to that 
that um, base, what they call the base relations rule, that you can't, right. you can't, you know, change the order of highest to lowest. Sure. Okay. Secondly, there's a, a possibility that you might learn a new move or evolve. Now, Pokemon can evolve in this game. Um, again, each each of the Pokemon in the Pokedex has um, their their le- uh, evolution chain and talks about the minimum level with which they can, um, like Charmander can evolve into Charmeleon, who can evolve into Charizard. So um, that's all on the Pokedex. It's going to be slightly different for each Pokemon. So firstly, they gain a skill point, um, sorry, stat point. Secondly, they might learn a new move or evolve. And so you need to really have the Pokedex on hand in some way, shape or form for that to happen. Um, And then lastly, depending on... Um, whether you get to level 20 or 40, as we talked about before, you might gain a new ability. Right. So those are two things, uh, sorry, three things that can happen at the end of a battle when, or at the end of a campaign when your Pokemon um, gains uh, experience points and levels up. Um, the last thing I'll just touch on is, again, we spoke before about how creating Pokemon is really um, similar to creating trainers and... As I said, they also have edges, and they are broken down the same way into into skill, stat and skill edges, uh, capability edges. Uh, sorry, actually, it's not as detailed as the other ones, but there are a lot of edges that can be given, broken into stat and skill edges and capability edges. And again, they just raise and uh, they sort of affect different um, different skills and different moves. So that's worth looking into as well. Yeah, right. And so you get those, and just quickly, you get those edges by earning tutor points and then spending tutor points yes that's correct yeah so yeah um yeah you get those points and you spend them on these on these edges okay and and every okay i say every five levels you you start with one tutor point and then every five levels you gain another you gain gain another one okay cool so so the edges are a bit rarer for the pokemon yeah not, they, they yeah. are yeah so you don't get cool. them just as part of your character creation but you can get them as part of purposefully training and 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 um getting gaining those tutor points yeah great cool so i think that's everything for character creation is uh, are you is that correct yeah we, we've I, covered I, look, it all. I hope so i hope so yeah <laughs> um, there's just so much there there's is so much there is and it's really if you are interested in this, it's really worth just getting the book and slogging through it um, because there is so much information that we haven't touched on because it's probably not relevant to the majority of campaigns. Like there's a whole page on breeding Pokemon, which is something that you can choose to do. Um, But I imagine that most people wanting to engage in a campaign are looking for some maybe at first are looking for something a bit sort of more um sort of short and sharper and, and a bit more sort of action-packed yeah um, some sort of narrative driven device yeah, like, opposed like, to just i have pokemon and i want to do things with them exactly yeah. like i don't like i don't want to talk to for everyone obviously but um I, that's what i'm imagining so yeah certainly grab the book and look at it and look at those sections that we haven't really been able to touch on yeah, so I think the next thing that we should probably chat about, Jesse, what what do we have next on the list there, mate? Next up is gameplay. Very important. So yeah. if you're one of so if you're one of our <laughs> well, so the we, reason what are we forty five minutes in we haven't even yeah, touched oh on God. gameplay. Well, oh, this... hope, hopefully not. Hopefully there's a bit you can edit out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So gameplay. Um, if you're any of our players, we have we're putting this episode out early so our players can listen to it, so we can actually explain gameplay to them. Um, <clears throat> so I guess the first thing we want to talk about is the skills. So when we were talking about character creation, skills was the first thing we brought up. They are what you're good at, what you're not good at, and what you're average at. Um, so skill checks are <clears throat> indicative of doing things in the world. Obviously, when you're playing the game... Most things you do not need to roll any dice for. You are functioning members of society in some way. You don't need to roll a dice to open a door unless it's locked or walk, for example. So pretty much as you're playing your characters, you can just dictate what you want to do. It's only when you come up against some sort of difficulty that you need to roll anything. And generally that is you're rolling a skill. So do you want to talk us through that process, Will? Yeah, so um, essentially what is going to happen is that your GM's going to um, 
tell you which skill you need to roll for. Now, in your character creation, uh, and as we spoke about before, you have those those adept skills, those untrained skills, um, novice skills, and pathetic skills, and those are all uh, assigned with a, a number of d6. So, at a at a at a pathetic, uh, it sounds so bad. At a pathetic yeah. skill, you roll one d6. At an untrained, you roll two. At a novice, you roll three, and at a, at a, at, a, at and at an adept you roll four. And then if you're leveling up your skills later, you have expert and master, which are a five and six, um, uh, rolling five and six D six. So when you come up against a skill, the GM's going to tell you which skill you need to roll for. You roll that number of dice based on what level that skill is at. Okay. So the GM's going to set the level of difficulty. Now the, the, the core rule book has a really handy chart for if you are stepping into the role of GM, as, as I am for the first time. Um, and it breaks down the percentages of success at a, at a given level. So if I, if I set a skill check at a DC 10, difficulty check 10, um, then you have an 84.1% success at adept, 50% at novice, 16.67% at untrained, and it's impossible at a, at a pathetic level. So it's a really handy... Wow, okay. Yeah, really handy chart with really handy information like that um, uh, for, for your, uh, your, your characters and your skills and for running that game. So make sure you have a look at that if you are planning on, on running this, this system. That's actually really handy knowing how likely it is your, character, your players are to succeed based on the difficulty check that you give them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so uh, I think for this campaign, considering we are all um, level one trainers, I won't be. Gi- I probably won't be giving anything above, say, a, a DC 14, depending on the type of skill and, and the type of uh, action being performed. But it is... How hand- ridiculous the players will yeah, inevitably yeah, be like, being. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> if it's anything based on, you know, what I... The kind of trouble i gave you last season that i'm i'm in for some interesting stuff but uh yeah so it, it is good to have that broken down so nicely for you so yeah you 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 want to do an action um i will ask for a particular skill check and and the uh, note the difficulty as well so that's essentially how skill checks work great now there is another little thing quickly before we move on to the pokemon part of the gameplay again and that's called action points and i just want to quickly touch on them because they're the the section in the book is not very big but they just exist so it's not 200 pages to talk about action points like it probably should be exactly so straight up your characters have action points your trainers um they start with five and you can get some skills to get more than five eventually um straight up you get them back at the end of every scene a scene described in this game is literally like a scene in a TV show. Think of it like that. Um, some of your edges and features require action points to use. And you have a pool of five action points. Some One edge might cost you one action point. Another feature might cost you two action points. So you know you can only use another edge in this scene maybe once or twice. That's pretty much it. It's just a way to regulate the use of these abilities and sort of keep you from, um, I'm pretty sure it's called novering um, any sort of engagements. And mm. novering is just using your best abilities continually or all at once to to get through the challenge. Um, I don't know if they actually are like this at all, but I kind of think of them like the, um, the, um, the were they destiny points in Star Wars? Yeah, destiny points. I feel like they're a little bit similar um, in that you could use a destiny point to use particular abilities to succeed at something, or if you wanted something to happen, you could use an action point. And it's, I'm glad you brought that up because it reminded me the final feature of an action point is before any roll, you can spend one action point to add a plus one to that roll. Mm. So whatever you roll on your on on your dice will have a plus one at the end of it. And I'm pretty sure you can do that with combat checks as well as the skill checks. Um, so that's action points. Very easy, very simple. Pokemon, Will. Um, yeah, look, I will touch on Pokemon, but I'll actually touch on it as a part of the combat section. So we might sure. move on to that uh, next, if you're happy to move on with that. 
yeah, I feel like the gameplay section for like the trainers is very simple. You just have skills, you have edges that you can use. Some edges require action points. You have five action points a scene. Done. Done. Very simple. Yeah. Very easy. You have items. There is certain things you can do with those items. It's all very clear. The rest of it is in the combat section. So let's go straight into combat. All right, cool. So... This is where I think it becomes really clear that this game is made for those two types of fans that we were talking about. Um, Because there's actually two different types of combat. Firstly, we have what are called league-sanctioned Pokemon battles. And that is, those sorts of battles are very much what you would be used to in the games, what you would be used to seeing in the anime. It is two trainers... um, forcing their pokemon to battle (laughs) if we say it like that it sounds horrible but essentially it's the two trainers on the outside instructing their pokemon as to what to do Um, okay so that's league combat that's league combat so in these sorts of of combat in, in this sort of combat the trainers um don't directly interfere with the battle um they're standing on the outside they offer support and they can do actions like um, uh, you know, uh, th- throw potions, um, recall their Pokemon and send out another one, things like that. Um, but they don't interfere with the battle. They don't go and kick um, someone's tor- <laughs> Torchic, you know? It's, it's, yeah. Th- they don't do that. So that's the that's that's League-sanctioned Pokemon battles. So League is as much as... It is as close to the video game battles as possible. Absolutely, yeah. So okay. it is just... I'm sending a Pokemon to fight another trainer's Pokemon. Um, the other type of um, of combat is what they just call full contact fights. And these are Pokemon attacking humans, humans attacking Pokemon, humans attacking other humans. It's, it's anything goes. <laughs> it's just a free-for-all. It's a free-for-all, no baby. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Th- th- and so the same rules don't apply in that full contact fight. Uh, and, okay. and that sort of, I suppose, is probably best explained by initiative. Now, initiative in in combat in Pokemon um, works off the speed. Um, now, each trainer has a speed, each Pokemon has a speed, and it's basically the fastest Pokemon goes first, or the fastest character goes first, all the way down to the slowest character goes last, and you just sort of rate, yep. are in order from that. Now, in League Battles, you those sort of initiative rounds are broken into two sections. You have the trainer's initiative, and again, the fastest goes first, the slowest goes last, and yep. you have a Pokemon initiative round, and the, the fastest Pokemon goes first, the slowest Pokemon goes last. And it's sort of... It, it Combat takes part over those sort of two rounds almost. You've got your trainers, and then you've got your Pokemon. Okay. Um, in full contact fights, it is... Everyone's on the same system, in the same order, same round. Fastest Pokemon or human goes first, slowest goes last. Okay. Um, so, that's sort of the main difference between the two, I suppose. And the, the, the book says that the GM should be fully open with their cast as to what kind of, of, of battles to expect. And I'm going to get into this when we're actually in the room with the cast um, next week. Um, but there's going to be a mix of both in our, okay, in our okay. game. So um, that's the only real difference between the two, is whether the trainers are directly involved in the fight or whether they're more acting as a support. All right. Um, so talk me through what a regular round of combat looks like as a player. So I'm a player. I yep. have, let's say I have the first initiative slot. Yep. And I have one of my Pokemon out and my Pokemon has a second initiative slot, and then the enemy has the third one. Yep, for sure. So, in um, in any kind of battle, whether it's uh, league-sanctioned or full contact, you have um, three actions you can take. Okay. So, in each round. So, you have a standard action, uh, what's called a shift action, and what's called a swift action. Uh, and, it, and then they have what are called free actions as well, which you can take... Um, any number of, but if they're actions that have a trigger, they can only be activated once that sort of trigger has has reached, and only once okay. per trigger. Um, so a trigger is just like literally any sort of thing that makes a move happen. Yeah, like for, if you're for, waiting for an ambush or something like that. Absolutely, yeah. For this to happen, this okay. has to happen first. 
that sort of sure. thing. Sure, okay. Yeah. So first up, we have standard actions. A lot of moves and features require a standard action to activate. Um, so some of the standard actions, some some examples of what a standard action might look like is using a move or using a struggle attack or throwing a Pokeball to capture a wild Pokemon, um, using a Pokedex to identify a Pokemon, um, using combat maneuvers. All of these things fall into that standard action category. Okay, yep. Uh, so next up we have shift actions and it's it, shift actions are really straightforward. Um, there's sort of three things that they're used for. You're either moving on sort of the battlefield um, or you're returning a Pokemon, either one that you're returning um, voluntarily or one that's fainted and then you're, or you're sending out another one, uh, another Pokemon or a replacement Pokemon. So those are sort of the three main um, categories of shift action. Cool. So that's essentially just, it's called shift because you either shift Pokemon or you shift your physical body. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then the swift action was the last one. Um, so swift actions, uh, a lot of your features are going to be classed as, as swift actions. So that's going to be very um, unique to your particular character and, and what features you've chosen for that character. Um so we might actually get into that more when we're actually doing combat on the day because everyone's going to be slightly different. Yeah, sure. So some people might not new, use their swift action ever, but some people will be, will have to use it every single round. Yeah, that sort of thing. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So um, and then, like I said, you have some free actions as well, uh, and free actions can be um, activated uh, any number of time. Uh, uh, sorry, you can take any number of free actions, but again, a lot of them have a trigger that needs to happen. Um, for the for the free action to occur, so they may we may not see any of those. We may get them every combat. Sure. Again, so that's like tur- like using a feature might be a free action, or like talking to someone or something like that. Is that sort of what the free action sort of takes place in? Like yeah, just talking and could be, or it might be like responding to um, uh, like a surprise attack or, or something like that. If you have a particular yeah, okay. skill that allows you to. Um, yeah, respond to, to that sort of sneak attack. That could be considered a free action. Um, so those are sort of the three main actions that you could take in a, in, a, in a combat round. There is one more type that I just want to talk about briefly, and those are called full actions. And full actions are things that you can do in combat that take both your um, standard and shift action uh, box. So you can perform those three actions, standard, shift, and swift, um, full actions take two of those um, those boxes away. So it leaves you with less actions to be able to perform in a round, but they can be really handy because there's some things in there like taking a breather, which means that you temporarily remove yourself from the heat of combat to recover from um, things like confusion or other status effects. You also, you can also get some health back that way yeah, as well, yeah. is so my understanding. It's essential, it is essentially just taking a step back from combat just to sort of regain some um, some sort of senses to where you're at and, yeah, gain, gain yeah, back great. some uh, other things. There's also another full action you can take is called coup de gras. Um, you can attempt a coup de gras against a fainted or other helpless target. And essentially what that means is that a coup de gras is essentially just taking a a critical hit. You're basically hitting someone while they're down. It's sort of, it's like very finite, isn't it? Like, it, like it's, it is the final hit. And like you, you are like, if you coup de grace someone, you are almost absolutely ensuring yeah. either killing yeah. them or knocking them out essentially. Yeah. Cause they are helpless. To and you I mean, in that moment, injury yeah. and death in Pokemon tabletop United exists. Um, you can choose to take it out. If you don't feel it fits the tone of your campaign, but unlike the games where your Pokemon finishes by fainting, death 100% exists within the universe. Um, and I believe there are there are um, conditions for that. So uh, a Pokemon or trainer has either 10 injuries or goes down to negative 50 hit points or negative 200% hit points, whichever is lower, um, then they die. Right. So essentially, like, yeah, you you can die. It takes effort to kill some, like a Pokemon or a trainer, but um, it is possible. Yeah, I think the coup, the coup de gras is part of that. Yeah, I think Pokemon always sort of shies away from death in any instance. Like I've always seen in the games, there is never any 
real like your Pokemon will never die; they will always just be knocked out. Um, and yeah. in, it, like even in the anime, death is like very rare as well. So it, it doesn't death doesn't necessarily fit the tone of Pokemon. But obviously, if you want to explore the world in a different sort of way, if you want to do an edgier, darker world, the rule set is there, so you can do it if you want to, which is good. Yeah. Like it's good to have those options and have a bit more realism as well if you want that. Um, yeah. So that's that's pretty much people, isn't it? In terms of like the actions and stuff. Um, okay, so yeah, that's um, that's sort of all the, the actions that a trainer can take. Now, Pokemon in battle um, have a list of standard actions that they can perform as well. So they can use a move or a struggle attack. They can use a combat maneuver. Um, they can activate an effect that requires a shift action. Um, however, it cannot be used for movement. Um, and they can use abilities. They can use capabilities or make skill checks requiring um, some standard actions. And the last thing they can do as well is... Um, actually, sorry, there's two more things they can do. They can recall themselves into a Pokeball for a Switch or they can pick up held items. Um, so Pokemon or trainers can decide to recall into a Pokeball. Um, right, I didn't know that. That's yes. really cool. Yeah, so the other thing about combat is that you don't need to necessarily have your trainer announce to the Pokemon what they want it to do. It's not like in the in the the anime where um, you know Ash will say uh, Pikachu use lightning bolt or whatever um, the the Pokemon just does it essentially the character is just sorry the 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 player is just creating actions for the Pokemon. Sure. So, and this is in um, in the in the non league combat the Pokemon just acts as the player sort of wants yes um but then in league combat like the pokemon is essentially doing what the trainer wants although the trainer doesn't actually need to tell the pokemon yeah that's it it you don't need to waste um actions or anything saying ah charmander use fire breath um that that doesn't need to happen it just happens that's good because like I feel like that'd be I use my turn to tell my Pokemon to use its turn, and then yeah. on my Pokemon, and then you go, okay, it's your Pokemon's turn. I'm like, well, I've told myself to use this ability, so I will use this ability. Like it seems be very redundant to, to do that to yourself to a halt. It would be yeah. just painful. So, so as far as your as far as a player is concerned, they we've explained everything that they that the players can do on their turn. Yep, and the Pokemon have a smaller amount of things they can do, and yep. you can just do them as a like you can just control them in the same way you control your player yeah absolutely yeah yeah great easy so well there's one more thing we need to talk about in combat and that's switching pokemon now you have given us as players two pokemon so i wanted to talk about it because it might come up because yeah. sometimes there's a bit of a grey area about what you can do when you switch a Pokemon out or, or what you can't do or when you can do it. So just explain to me the system of changing Pokemon. I I'm, I'm, I think it's easy once you explain it, but otherwise it might be complicated. So. Yeah, for sure. So switching Pokemon or recalling Pokemon and releasing Pokemon um, has sort of two ways it can work based on whether it's a league-sanctioned battle or a full-contact battle. Basically, if it's a full contact battle, you can switch a Pokemon at will and the Pokemon will still be able to do its action this round. So it doesn't lose its place in that initiative track. Um, However, if it is a league-sanctioned battle and you're switching out a Pokemon voluntarily, so it hasn't fainted, it hasn't been forced to switch because of, you know, a move like Roar or something like that which can force Pokemon to switch. If you're just switching it out voluntarily... Um, the Pokemon cannot do its action this round. So it loses its place in that initiative track for this round. Sure. So that's sort of the only thing I want to mention. If it's full contact, anything goes, your Pokemon can do a thing. If it's league sanctioned and you're voluntarily doing it, your Pokemon loses its turn this round. Okay. So you use your shift action to pull out a Pokemon. Mm -hmm. It can do a thing. Yeah. You can use your shift action to bring a Pokemon away and then pull out another one. It can it can still do a turn. Yeah. But if you're in a league battle yeah. and you use that action to pull a Pokemon away that isn't fainted or you're not forced to, you cannot do an action. Yeah. But otherwise you can. Yeah. Absolutely. Easy. Cool. Makes sense? 
Makes sense. You use your shift action to throw out a Pokemon and it can do something. Yeah. You can use your shift action to pull one back and you can finish your turn. That's it. Easy. Great. Um, Simple. Yeah. So that's the system overall. I think there's one more thing that, that is in the actual core rulebook itself, which is a bit separate from everything we've spoken about, and that's contests. Yeah, look, there I want to just is... very quickly touch on them. I'll just very quickly touch on them. I don't think it's going to come up in our game, so I won't go into it in detail, but if you remember in the games, there was oftentimes you would go to a city and they would be running some sort of contest, and the contest would be based on a particular skill so there might be a like a beauty contest or a cool contest or something like that now contests work very similar to battles but instead of pokemon performing actions to fight another pokemon they're performing actions to do some sort of like grand performance if you will um to try and win points in this contest so i only want to mention it because it does work like like i said it works very similar to battles but it's not going to come up in our campaign, sure. so we won't go into it in depth. There is a whole section on it in the book, so if you are going to um, to to grab the the source book, chapter eight is thirty pages long. Nope, twenty pages long, and it talks all about contests. So yeah. have a look. At my that. my very quick understanding of it. If someone's interested, but can't be bothered looking at it immediately. Every kind of Pokemon is like some sort of uh, trait which is like cool or beautiful or smart and then every single move is also cool or beautiful or smart and then you use appropriate moves which change the flow of the contest as well as earn you points and then your your goal is to have your Pokemon be either the coolest Pokemon mm. and get the audience behind the coolest Pokemon that does all the cool moves. Yeah. In a cool Pokemon contest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But that's right. um that's essentially the system. It's a it's a big read, but it is a big read and yeah. it's a lot to take in. Um yeah. The good thing is is like I'm looking at our timer now and we're now at an hour and seventeen or something, but I know there was a few sections where we were like, can we just redo that? Because that was bad. Yeah. So it's actually yeah. not gonna be crazy long. I think we've got it under an hour. We'll see. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. The overall explanation is there and I know the gameplay and combat section, which is important for players, is a bit more condensed. It's only about twenty minutes long. So that's yeah. that's hopefully fine. But Let's quickly talk about what we're going to be, what, what we're actually getting into. So, you are obviously our DM, Will. That's the plan. So, yeah. So, you're going to DM, GM us into this game, but we also have a few players. So, I am one of the players, um, and we have three three lovely people um, that I can't wait for you to meet um, in the next episode. Um, and they all are creating some excellent uh, characters. I personally know of two characters that have been made, um, which are going to be very entertaining, um, and as well as my own. Um, um, yeah, look, I'm really looking forward to it. You've just given me a couple of hints on yours, and I'm like, this is going to be great. I'm looking forward yeah, to this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my whole thing is just a riff, so <laughs> I, I just get to have I just get to have a bunch of fun. Do we need to apologise um, in advance for any of these riffs? Okay, <laughs> no, I don't think so. You no, know what? No, no. I've we'll spoken. Be fine. Spoke, we'll be fine. <laughs> I've spoken about it enough. I think I might as well just come out and be honest. So <laughs> my concept, my concept for my trainer is. Steve Irwin, but in the Pokemon world, because <laughs> I have a I have a deep affection for the man and I love him dearly. So it is a it is a it is a homage, absolutely. <laughs> and I think it's going to be wonderful. I'm really yes. looking forward to it. And before anyone asks, I avoided having the Stingray Pokemon as my Pokemon because good move. <laughs> that, good while move. while funny, a bit insensitive. Absolutely, um, good move. Yeah, but <laughs> so do you want to? give us your little hook or your intro into your arc to get people excited for next session. Absolutely. Let me uh, let me just pull it up here. The Venya City Gym was an architectural marvel. Considered the jewel of Iliota, the huge marble and glass structure loomed over the skyline of Venya City, a towering centre point in a city packed with crisscrossing canals and dense laneways. Gym leader Lorenzo was renowned for his ferociousness in battle. In the 39 years since he became gym leader, no trainer had even come close to defeating him. 
His prowess was so respected that to even enter the ring with him was considered badge-worthy, at least unofficially. Ten years ago, trainer Rico Johnson, a legendary trainer and Iliota local, entered the gym with the intention of defeating gym leader Lorenzo. He was known to you all, friend, mentor, family member. There aren't many reports from that day, as everyone was either inside the gym or at home watching it on television, but they all describe it the same way. The unintelligible shouting from the commentator's distorted microphones, the gasping and cheering of the crowd, the sounds of sirens and bells, then, suddenly, silence. The venues nearby rushed to their balconies to gaze upon the space where the gym once stood, but it was gone. The gym trainers, the crowd, gym leader Lorenzo and Rico all lost. The jewel of Iliota was no more. Now you have received a call from Doc Bennett Black, a professor, colleague and friend to Rico Johnson. He has called you here to Rico's home of Udina Town, and he has some strange news. Ooh, that's exciting. Another sort of mystery one. Yeah, well, you know, I uh, I write what I know. So. Yeah, that's great. No, I love it. That's very exciting. No, I'm, that's I'm, so cool. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I, I think we've got a, like we were saying before, I think we've got a great cast. We've got a great mix of people. And I think, um, I think we'll have, I think we'll have a lot of fun. Excellent. All right. Do you, what is your what is your arc title, sir? Do you have oh, a yes. title for yes, the Yes, sorry. It's called The Vanishing Gym. Ooh, great. All right. So, guys, we'll see you next week for The Vanishing Gym. See you next time, guys. Tabletop unknown.